Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the March 8th, 2022 episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have a few things to talk about. This may not be a long episode, but I think it's informative nonetheless. Yeah, we have a serious topic, a fun topic, and a kind of sad topic. Yes, let's start with the sad topic. So for those of you that shop on the website, you know that we have magic beans, which are points. Well, we found that there was an issue in the add-on that we were using, so we have turned them off. So beans will be gone until we can find a replacement. We are actively searching for a replacement because we know this was a very popular feature of Mystic Access. Obviously, you get essentially free money. (laughs) So we know this was a valuable thing and we want to be able to bring that back as quickly as possible. But we obviously need a workable solution and this one is not a workable thing anymore. So we're just waiting until we find the right thing and are actively exploring to figure out what that will be to replace beans. And they may be points again. If we can change their name, we'll probably keep them beans because, you know, that all goes with the where the magic is in learning part. So we'll see. So let's talk about a serious topic here for a second. Yeah. Let me premise this with a little bit of a story. Some of you may know that I am the new editor for the National Braille Press Our Special Publication. And as part of my job, I look for articles of interest to women to go into the magazine. It's a women's magazine. And we have articles from blind contributors. The whole point of our special, which has been in circulation since 1927, is that it's written by blind women for blind women. And so as part of that, there are articles of interest to women as part of the magazine, as well as the original articles contributed by our wonderful columnists. And part of my job as editor is to look for content that would be of interest to women from various publications. So that's what I was doing when this really serious thing happened to me. I was on a site and something happened and I believe I went to the wrong URL because I was typing and I was typing rather quickly as we sometimes do. And I got a permission request. You know, these that you're getting all the time that says, do you want to allow or deny this content? So I assumed I knew where I was going and I hit allow only to discover very quickly afterwards that I was wrong about where I was because it was giving me another permission request. And I was like, uh, wait a second, I just allowed you. What's going on? And then I was looking at the site going, what? No, this is not where I want to be. So immediately I was a little taken aback, a little afraid, not quite sure what to do. But I thought, well, I allowed it, but I'm not going to allow it again. I'm going to go off to another site. Well, that was all well and good, except suddenly I began receiving browser notifications, and I put this in big red quotes, (laughs) that said, Edge has a virus, and you need to scan for this virus. That's not how that works. You don't get a notification, an alarm bell, as it were, from your browser that says, I've caught a virus, you need to scan me. That's not how it works. So immediately I thought, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong here. So I closed my browser and reopened it. Closed my browser down completely. Reopened it, had the same thing happen. Restarted the computer, had the same thing happen. I'm like, something is wrong here, and I have clearly infected my computer. Now, I use 
Avast, antivirus. I have the firewall. And that turned out to be a very good thing, didn't it? Well, it did because I went into the notification center and was looking at the notification. And of course, it said the same thing that Edge has detected a virus. And I'm thinking, Edge doesn't really detect a virus, but I'll bite. So I bit. And if she hadn't have been using Avast, and this is not a commercial for Avast, but nope. it's just what we were using. Had I not been using a good antivirus program with a firewall, it blocked going to the website. Now, having said that, the website was Defender something. I forget. I'm not even going to give the site, but no. it had Defender in the name. Now we don't. So use you def- thought you were good? Sort of. Yes. We don't Until, use Defender. We have a paid product. I thought, for example, that it might have been Defender running in Edge until I looked at the URL and said, no, this is not right. But by that time, Avast had already blocked it. So it killed the connection and it wouldn't let me continue. So what we ended up doing was going in and deleting data from the last 24 hours in Edge. One of those items was a site request. So I made sure we checked that box and then hit delete. And it deleted the cookies and the temp files and everything from the browser. And the issue completely went away. So that must have been the second request that I did not allow. Avast must have blocked the first one that I did allow. Right, but I think that was the only one. Interesting. That was the request that I think that you had allowed. Ah. It only said one request, Interesting. not two okay. requests. Huh. So after deleting the data, that went away. So that could have been very bad. a disaster. I guess the whole moral of the story is that when you're on the web, you want to make sure what you're allowing or denying. She might have thought it was a cookie thing. Who knows? I did. That's exactly what I thought it was. I thought it was a cookie banner. And we get desensitized, I think, to some of these cookie banners and stuff because they're Mm -hmm. all over the place. And that might have been what that was, potentially, was, oh, she's going to allow a cookie banner or something. But just to keep in mind that these kinds of things do happen and people do get tripped up and people do have issues like that. And just to be careful. Now, I've actually seen the Avast virus thing come up through Edge. Sure. And it's totally Avast, blah, blah, blah. It was not Defender anything. But who knows why I bit, but it it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Yeah, that was my mistake. My mistake was allowing. Your mistake was biting on the Defender thing because you're like, oh, it's Defender. And you weren't thinking, again, that's desensitization. Right. Because we never used Defender on our computers. We use Avast, and we wouldn't have even thought about that. And right. It was just one of those things. You're like, oh, it's Defender. It's safe. Because Defender is on Windows computers, and it is safe. Right, exactly. But this was coming through the browser, and you weren't thinking about it. But it looked like, it, and I'm sure that if Avast would have let it through, it probably would have looked like some kind of a Defender scanning for viruses or whatever. But mm-hmm. obviously, it was up to no good if Avast caught it. And it all started, guys, with me typing in the wrong URL. I typed one letter incorrectly of my URL. That's how it begins. So you have to be 
sometimes kind of hyper aware. And if you're not hyper aware and you have stupid stuff like this happen to you, you need to have really good protection on your computer. It's very important. I've actually gone to Google.com and mistyped Google. I think that's where I've gotten that Avast shield where it was blocking the site so that I couldn't continue on to whatever I mistyped in my thing. So what you want to do is make sure that you're typing, like Kim said, and if you go to the same places over and over again, you can add them to your favorites, bookmarks, whatever your browser calls them. You can use your history if you have history enabled. Some people clear history, some people don't. But just to keep in mind that you can mistype, and it does happen. It absolutely does. I know there's a lot of confusion about what's out there and what works in terms of antiviruses. We are currently using Avast. We like it, but we also use... AVG. They're made by the same company. They are. Avast bought AVG, and I think Norton actually bought Avast. So, who knows? So, we're all back to using Norton again after 30 years. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Who knows? I believe that's the case. I believe Norton did buy Avast, and Avast bought AVG a couple few years ago. But... I remember talking about antiviruses, how so many of them were accessible, and then, like overnight, so many of them became inaccessible. Yes. I had an AVG subscription for a while where it was accessible, and then it turned out to not to be, and I had gotten charged for it, and I was like, nope, I don't want this anymore. So I had to contact AVG, and they refunded me. But for whatever reason, I decided to try it once again, and... They've done a lot with the accessibility. Now things are in browser windows, so you're using your browse mode or virtual cursor to go through you know, the settings and stuff and the scans and things like that. So some of these antivirus packages have become more accessible. I don't know about Norton because I haven't tried it, but I'm happy with what we have currently. So I think we're going to stick with that for a while. Yeah, and I kind of let him make the decisions. He reads all the geek articles about antiviruses and things like that. There was another one that I used to use that I loved. He eventually talked me out of using it just because he got a better thing with a better suite. If you can afford the suite, by the way, and not just the antivirus piece of a program, go with that. It probably saved me the other day. Yeah, and again, this is not a commercial. Of course not. For it. This is for whatever antivirus you pick. Right. We just want to make sure that you just slow down because, again, you can get yourself into trouble. Yeah. And, you know, I'm someone who's been using the net for years and years and years, decades. So if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. You know, it's easy for anybody to kind of start thinking about something else. And that's when you get in trouble and completely mess up. And that's what these people do. They're Mm -hmm. banking on the fact that you're going to type in that URL incorrectly. And whether it's google.com or it's Google something or who knows, you know, I'm just making stuff up. But if you type something incorrectly, it might pull something up and it might not. So just pay attention. Maybe review your site address when you've typed it in. Just kind of make sure where you're going is where you, in fact, want to go. And now we're going to talk about Not going places, but listening to things. And we have something super cool that isn't new by any means, but it's new to us. We've heard of it before, 
but we just recently started playing with it. More specifically, you recently started playing with it, and I have had kind of the fun of getting to benefit from that, although I would like to play with it myself. And if you have ever grown tired of your old, flat voicemail, for just a little bit of money, you can have a heck of a lot of fun with what we're going to talk to you about now. Yeah, and sometimes you don't even need money. They have a plan that's actually free. It's Umail, Y-O-U-M-A-I-L. So it's umail.com. And what you can allow it to do is take over your carrier's voicemail. So instead of going to your carrier's voicemail, you would go to Umail. Now, one disadvantage to talk about before we move into Umail. This means that if you're on, say, your phone, and your phone has a voicemail tab in your phone app, you can't use it. Right. You would use Umail's app to respond to your voicemail. So there are advantages to Umail. One of them being is if you pay a, a fee, you can have multiple numbers going to the same voicemail box. Let's say you have two cell phones. You can have both cell phones access the same voicemail accounts. So your voicemails are in one spot. And you can use the app on Android or iOS, and you can retrieve your voicemails from either phone on either phone, if that makes sense. So, so if somebody calls you from 2269 or from 2274, you have access to both those through right. your one voicemail account. Yes, exactly. You have history, and you have spam blocking. So you can enable spam blocking with Umail and they can assist you in not getting a lot of spam calls. But wait, there's more. Much more. <laughs> you can assign different greetings to different contacts, which is really kind of fun. This is my favorite feature. You can have a voicemail when your mom calls. You can have a voicemail when your brother calls. These are outgoing voicemails, not incoming. So this is the message that they're going to hear. Hi, Joan, blah, 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 blah. And that person can hear you greet them instead of just some generic, hi, you've reached blah, 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 call blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of a fun way to do that. They have a really, really wacky one that I actually have on mine. It's not professional in the least. It tells you to like bark like a dog and spin three times and <laughs> press the star key nine times. And it's quite crazy before it allows you to leave a message. But that's your main greeting, right? That's before yes. you do the customer. So if I called you, obviously, I don't get that greeting. I get the wife voicemail, which is right. obviously completely different. <laughs> right. And other people have their own voicemails. And it's really fun. We love to do it to our friends and freak them out because they end up getting their own messages. And we don't tell him in advance that he's doing this. So it's really funny. I've often toyed around with doing this for one of my best friends and going like, hello, hello, <laughs> hello, I can't hear you, hello. And then finally say, yep, you've reached my voicemail, leave a message. So, <laughs> And it would be specifically for that individual. So you could actually greet them by name if you're doing that kind of stuff, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that part is very cool. It's got a whole suite of features. It's quite affordable, and it's just one of those cool things. You can't really use this as, like, by the way, a de facto business line. It really won't work because if you have, say, someone call you and they're a client and there's someone who's calling you, say, from a different number that day, then you've just messed up the entire purpose. You can't say, you've reached so-and-so's computer services 
because they'll get your default message if they call you from another number. So I definitely wouldn't recommend it as kind of a, a hack into a business line or making people think it's a business line they're calling. They do have a business plan, though, mm -hmm. which allows you to do other things other than that. But, I mean, I wouldn't put the funny messages on a business line. I would, you know, be a little less childish. Yeah, and... you would have to have a default that specifically said you've reached so-and-so's business line. Right. And then if you want to customize things specifically for clients, you could certainly do it that way. Sure. My point was you, you can't use it for, say, your business line and a personal line necessarily. So you still kind of want to keep that stuff separate. It's probably smarter or you're going to run into some embarrassing issues. I used to try and do that, have a personal and business line be the same line. You do run into some awkward things sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you just got to be careful with it. But it's cool. It's fun. How accessible is the app? I would probably say it is 90% accessible. There are some, you know, small issues with it, but nothing that can't be overcome. Mm -hmm. The one thing that we did find out recently, too, about it is if, if you have a landline, what the two or three people out there these days that have a landline. We still have a landline. Well, of. we do. Sort of. <laughs> we have a VoIP our, line. <laughs> ours are VoIP lines, not, not traditional. This is true. You're talking about a traditional landline. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you can do that with a traditional landline. If they support it, you can have UMail take over your traditional landline voicemail. So let's say, for example, you have a landline and you have a cell phone. You can have both of those numbers go to the same place. I tried to do that with the landline, but unfortunately the service that we use is not supported by UMail and there's no way to take over or send your voicemail to a third party. And that's exactly what you're doing in, in the case of UMail. But it's really cool when you set it up for your cell phone because you kind of watch it say, okay, we're contacting your service. You wait like five seconds. Okay, we've contacted your service. Now we have access and control of your voicemail. <laughs> it's kind of cool. So the next thing we wanted to talk about really quickly is traveling. And Yay, more traveling stuff. When you travel, you have to be very conscious of things that you bring on an airplane. So if you are... Someone like me who hates checking bags because it's a waste of time. <laughs> and if you can get away with it and you can stuff things into like an overnight bag or rolling backpack or whatever, you might want to do that. So you have to keep in mind that things have to be under 3.4 ounces. So toothpaste and mouthwash and creams, things of that nature. Lotions right. and potions. Anything that you take with you, your cosmetics, all that, you've got to have a specific size. And they have, for this purpose, in a lot of the aisles of some of your discount stores, your Targets, your Walmarts, you can find little toiletry bags that you can buy with little bottles and little jars that are the correct size limit or less than the needed size limit for airplane travel. The last time I traveled, I brought my own shampoo. Because in the hotel, you have courtesy shampoos, but once you open them, nine times out of ten, even though it's not done, even though you're going to stay there for a couple of days, they end up throwing them away. So the only way you could keep them is to, like, throw them in your suitcase. That's true. And then it wouldn't be an issue. But if you are kind of like me and you have specific stuff you like, and you don't want your hair stripped by five days of using hotel shampoo, 
then you want to bring your own stuff. <laughs> so you're going to be traveling in the not too distant future. So yep. what did you get? Well, as many of you know, when I left North Carolina, half the stuff I needed did not make it here to New York. And as a result of that, I decided to invest in a new Sonic Travel toothbrush because I use Sonic toothbrush at home and it's too big to take with me on the plane. So I said, what am I going to do? I want something really neat and cute and easy to travel with and very portable and preferably something with its own travel case because I don't mind throwing it in a Ziploc, but if I can find something with a nice travel case where it won't get banged up in the plane or in the overhead or whatever, then I'm going to be a happier person. So I found one and I love it. So I want to share it with you guys. It's by a brand called, I'm going to say Kingaros. It's K-I-N as in Nancy, G-H-E-R-O-E-S. That's the brand. And it's a sonic electric toothbrush with eight brush heads and a travel case, four modes, so four different brushing modes, and a charge that'll last over 50 days, and... 42,000 VPM motor. And it's VPM because it is magnetic levitation motor. So I think it said VPM and not BPM. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, VPM per minute, something per minute. Anyway, it is a 42,000 cycle per minute brush, which will get your teeth extremely clean. And it's not just a vibration. It really does move the actual brush heads. There's a video on this Amazon review where you can actually, if you were able to see it, you can see the guy's little bristles moving when he shows it on the camera. But this one is really, really nice, and I just wanted to demo it for you really quickly. As I said, it's got four modes on it for use. Clean, soft, whiten, and super. And it's got one button, so it's one button operation. And it does have a 30-second timer so you can move to the different quadrants of your mouth as recommended by dentists. So I got this. It was on sale. I paid less than 20 bucks for it, and I'm thrilled with it. And I was able to get a cute pink one. And for anyone interested in the cute pink one, it is not a bubblegum pink, and it is not a rose quartz pink. It is just more of a, a gentle light pink, but it's very nice looking. In fact, the IRA agent who I spoke to about it is now going to get one for herself. So it comes in this really nice hard case and it's a white case at least the one that came with my pink one is and it's just got a hinged top and getting it open is a little tricky but I would prefer it to be you just kind of stick your nail under there and pop it open mine smells all toothpaste you know but inside the case we have the toothbrush itself and a head so the little head that you can literally pop on and off it just snaps on and off and then a spot for an additional head so you could travel with an additional head should you wish to now you do have to pop the head on and off before you begin using the brush, but it's very simple. You just align it, which is easier to do than it may sound like, and then you just press it down, and it just snaps on easily, and you know that it's on. It has a USB charger, so it charges with a USB Type-A charger to plug it into the wall, but it also has a proprietary end that goes into the bottom of the toothbrush. It's just a little round socket. That's how the charging works, and with one charge... It says you'll get about six weeks of use. I believe that is correct. There were different stats. Like if it was on the super hard one, it lasted the six weeks. And if it was on the softer one or slower one, it doubled it, I believe. It's, it's crazy. So it depends on the mode that you're using it on. It's a really nice plastic. 
I mean, I'm touching it. It's very durable. It looks really nice. In fact, I've got a way more expensive one in the bathroom upstairs. And I think I prefer this one. Of course, I've had that one for probably, gosh, I don't know, six years, something like that. So things come a long way in that amount of time. Like I said, this is a one-button operation. There are a few little lights on it. You can kind of feel the little indentions where the lights are. Obviously, those don't do me much good. But if you give it a two- or three-hour charge when you get it home, you should get weeks and weeks of twice-a-day use out of it. And I like the fact that it's got the two-minute timer, so you automatically know how long to brush. And after each quadrant, it's going to change. I'm just going to turn it on and show you how it works. So I've not got the head on. There's just a little flat place on the top where you'll align your head and then turn your head so that it fits properly on this little spot and then you press down. The heads are actually really nice and it comes with eight of them. So one to put on immediately and then seven others. One you can leave in the case as I said. So you've got years of use out of your heads. Probably I think you're supposed to change your head like every three months. So that's two years of heads. Now one person, this is an Amazon thing, one person said that with the replacement heads that this brand offers that the replacement head she received did not work with her brush. This is actually something else we can talk about in a minute, but I'll leave this soapbox for a second and show you the brush right now. So I'm just going to turn it on like I'm going to start using it. I'm just putting it up against the mic. That's the, that's the heavy one. That's the strongest one. I'm going to press the button. Oops. You have to do it fast. That's the next one. That's whiten, I think. And that's super. Now I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to show you in a second what happens. After 30 seconds. I've never heard one make that particular sound before, so it's kind of cute. It sounds like a space movie or something. From the it totally does, doesn't it? And you can really feel the vibration in your hand, too. But it's not unpleasant. And it's not unpleasant in your mouth. See? That's There's your timer. So I just pressed it again, and that turned it off. So if you've got it on high, oops, uh-oh, and when I turn it back on, it's actually on that setting. That's a good thing to know. There we go. Now it's back on the regular one. So I just cycled through, and then I turned it off. So it gives you an idea how this works, and then when you're done, you just pop it back in the case. You can tell where the little head goes. You have to, again, take the head off, snap the case closed, and you are ready to travel. Throw it back in your bag. So it is a great little thing. I'm so pleased with it. And as I said, I got mine on sale from Amazon, and I paid less than 20 bucks for it. One and it comes I... in pink, black, and white. Yeah, one thing I like about the case, so it could be a double-edged sword. I like about the case that you can put it in, you know, and take it with you, and it's protected. But sometimes if you don't have the room in your backpack or overnight bag or whatever... You could always just put it in a Ziploc bag. Sure. That way, it's not you're not going to have toothpaste all over your stuff. That's absolutely true. I mean, you definitely want to put it in something if you right. travel with it. The case is going to take up a smidge of space. But frankly, I like this thing so much that I really want it to be protected. So I think I would make the room. And you can tell that case is very sturdy. I think I would try and make the space for it. It's not heavy and... It's just really nice, and your toothpaste is just going to stay in that one spot. If you have any toothpaste left on that brush head when you take it off, which, of course, you need to rinse them off, but if you don't, or if you don't get it all off, it's just going to be in your little plastic case. It's very easy to clean, as opposed to having to find a new plastic bag to change it into. 
Right. That's a good point, too. So speaking of Amazon, let's go back to that for just a second. <laughs> We've had a few instances lately, one rather important one, when Amazon lists one item and sends you another, <laughs> like the chick's brush heads that she was talking about. Right. So Kim wanted to delve into the world of Chromebooks because she was so excited about the Chromebook tutorial that we are currently featuring on special <laughs> for the month. So we got her a Chromebook and we found this one that we liked. We looked at a couple of them. We're trying to stay within a certain price range. So we found a couple of them that we liked. The one had everything that she wanted, but it had a weird keyboard, a really, really weird keyboard. For example, the backslash was between the Z and the left shift key. That would have been okay, but the at symbol was not on number two. So when That you, would not have been okay. <laughs> right. So we found another one, and it had an SD card slot. It had two USB-C ports. It had two USB-A ports and four gigs of RAM and all this other stuff. So we're like, okay, let's get this one. This is really what you want. And it was within that price range. And we got it. And we are trying to figure out where the micro SD card slot was. And the USB-A ports. <laughs> that it was supposed to have. So it turned out that that was an older model of the same model number. So the model number was the same. However, on the Chromebook itself, it was a different ending number. In a way, it's good because it was a higher beefed up machine for the same price and it didn't have the micro SD card slot and it didn't have the other USB port on a Chromebook that's not really that big of a deal. Mm -mm. No, I still have one type A and one type C for charging, so that part's okay. Right. I actually got better specs for the price, but the frustrating, maddening thing was I didn't know it. I didn't know what was going on. I kept looking at Amazon and all these people asking questions and they would get different answers from people. And I was like, what is happening? Some people say it has an SD. Some people say it doesn't. Some people say it's got this and some people say it doesn't. What's going on? Right. So you just kind of have to be careful when buying stuff. We've had that happen with a couple of speakers or headphones or something mm -hmm. where, you know, you bought the headphones even from the same seller and it didn't have, for example, the FM radio in one that we were offering for a while and it was a batch of let's say 10 and one didn't have the fm radio where the other nine did so it was kind of weird just to keep that into perspective that sometimes this stuff does happen yeah so you need to know kind of the process of returning your amazon product if you need to do so can you request with amazon can you always request to pick up on any amazon product or how does that work I think it depends. I think you can do a request for a pickup, but I think if it's their fault, if it's defective, you're not charged for it. But if it's something that you just don't want, I think you are charged for it. So where do you suppose something like this would land, where you got a different model of the same product? It's a good question. That I don't know. So it's something you might need to check with Amazon with or write to customer support or give them a call or something and see if somebody can give you a straight answer about what you need to do to make that better. Sometimes it's a little more convenient to just pay for the pickup than it is to go off to the 
you know, shipping carrier of your choice place and send it back. Absolutely. And sometimes if you were me in North Carolina, you lived way too far away to even make that a feasible thing. So what happens when you're shipping something back somewhere or something's being shipped to you? How do you track that successfully? Well, we have a new toy in our toy box for shipping and tracking. Actually, it's a rediscovered toy, isn't it? It is a rediscovered toy. I was kind of curious. I like these all-in-one package tracker apps that you can throw a tracking number in it and then you get notifications and stuff like that when you you know when your package is shipping and out for delivery and all this other stuff so i just kind of like that it, it just makes life a little bit easier than having to go to the website and track and do all this other stuff some package trackers can monitor your email for orders and automatically do all this other stuff some you have to copy the tracking number into the package tracker and then add it in that way which is fine some will allow you to go to a website and add the tracking numbers in but one of my first apps that i ever purchased way 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 back when when i got my ipod touch 2010 2011 somewhere around that time was an app called parcel and i purchased it it wasn't getting updates for a while so i abandoned it and moved on to something else. I think it wasn't really that it wasn't getting updates. I think that we found another one that worked both on iOS and Android that you can forward your tracking numbers to and it would automatically add it to either platform. And I think that's why I stopped using Parcel. But I did a search the other day and I was playing with looking at something different because I haven't done anything with package trackers in a while. I just, when it comes, it comes. But I looked at this one and it's like, okay, well, if you want push notifications, it's four bucks a year. And there was a couple of other things that it did. It allowed you to go to a website and add your tracking and things like that into it. So I figured, what the heck? And I was going to do the annual $4.99 a year, but I saw this thing on my iPhone that said restore purchases. And I'm like, okay, did I pay for this or not? I don't really remember. So I hit restore purchases, and to my utter surprise and happiness, I apparently am grandfathered in unlimited forever. <laughs> so it doesn't expire, so that was kind of a happy thing. But I did want to show a little bit of what it looks like. Parcel settings button. So I'm in parcel, and it says settings button. Settings button. That's at the top left. If I go to the right. Deliveries filter. Current mode calling all deliveries button. You can change the mode. Do you want all deliveries? Do you want deliveries that have already been here? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm going to flick to the right. Add new delivery button. I can add a new delivery. Deliveries heading. Here are my deliveries. The 5th of March, UPS Chromebook. Delivered, met customer. So that's what it says. That the Chromebook that Kim had purchased was delivered. And that UPS met the customer. So they did a handoff. Now I'm going to go to the right again. Completed delivery. It's a, it's a completed delivery. It has actions. I can flick down. Delete. I can delete it. Edit. I can edit it. Activate. Default. I can activate it. Delete. And that's what I have. Empty list. And no delivery selected. It says no delivery selected. No delivery selected. Empty list. Completed delivery. Because it's a completed delivery, it's not monitoring anymore. But let's go into the history of the delivery. The fifth of March. UPS Chromebook. Delivered. Double tap. Settings button. Now we've got settings again. Deliveries filter. 
Add delivery button. Deliveries heading. Selected the 5th of March. UPS crop completed delivery. Switch to full screen mode button. The 5th of March. UPS Chromebook heading. Edit delivery button. Delete delivery button. Options for the delivery button. UPS. 1Z8 button. Tracking number. Yesterday, 1 p.m. Buffalo, NY, United States delivered net customer. Flick to the right again. Yesterday, 9.30 a.m. Buffalo, NY, United States out for delivery today. Yesterday, 6.31 a.m. Buffalo, NY, United States loaded on delivery vehicle. Yesterday, 4.42 a.m. Buffalo, NY, United States processing at UPS facility. Yesterday, 12.01 a.m. Buffalo, NY, United States arrived at facility. View full history button. And I could view the full history. Let's just see something other than Buffalo, New York. View full history. So I hit that. 43 p.m. East Syracuse, NY, United States departed from facility. Thursday, 11.28 p.m. Warwick, RIA, United States arrived at facility. So it just kind of shows you that it's a very, very clean interface. There's also a watch app. So if I wanted to go onto the watch and open the app, it's just as clean of an interface to show me where my stuff is. The other neat thing that you can do, and I haven't actually placed an Amazon order, but you can go into settings and you can attach it to your Amazon account so that when you get an Amazon delivery, it just automatically imports it right into your parcel app. While you can do it through the web, add your tracking numbers. For example, you can't forward your emails off to a specific email address with this specific package tracker. But I like how easy it is to utilize, and I also like that I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Because well, I made... buy once and forget it things. Yes, I paid for it. Again, I would have no issue paying for it. I was going to pay for it. But I figured, what the heck, I'll look. And it's it's fun. But just some of these things that we wanted to address today and just be safe. Absolutely. And March is steadily running away with us. But we have another podcast coming up later this month. And spring will be here very close to that date. I am very excited. It has been a long winter here, as I'm sure it has for many of you. So we are looking forward to that. We'll be announcing our March class at that time, and we look forward to it. Take care, everybody. Bye. See you in two weeks. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.